0: Hello, thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. Um, this is a little bit in person. I mean, it's like completely in person. Completely in person. Yeah, how are you doing, Todd? I'm good, Ryan. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm fine. It's pretty good. Uh, we're joined uh, with just, like, astonishing luck, I think, and, uh, and fortune. We're joined by uh, the excellent Anna Kornblue, um, who is going to talk to us about uh, immediacy. I'm going to stop talking and let you say hi, so people can know your voices. Hello. <laughs> That's so the voice of Anna Korn That's today. the voice of Anna Korn Blue. It's not me throwing my voice <laughs> or doing an impression. Or doing a Jimmy Stewart. Or doing a Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not today. Yeah. Some other yeah. time. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so we're here at the um, third LAC conference, which is how we're even able to talk to Anna. And um, part of, I think, we could say, like, the mission of this podcast, I mean, like, it's called Why Theory? And, we got, and, and it's a statement not a question yeah. sometimes people some, uh, I like this though sometimes when people will email us about the podcast and they'll put the question at the, the end question, of it yeah. yeah um we're um I think always trying to find different ways to state like why theory or like what theory can help us think through um and I think that this is what we're going to talk about today and the, with the overarching issue of immediacy and immersion uh would be like another term that we throw yeah. on and there
1: why immediacy is well why it's a Pressing yeah. issue and also why it's an issue at all. Yeah, and first and maybe we should start with what immediacy is So what does it mean to say that something is immediate mm. or, or that we have the sense of immediacy? Yeah,
2: yeah, I think it means a sense of connection, a sense of directness, a sense of non mediatedness, right? So, whether it's the signifier that's getting in the way, or alienation, or distance, or artworks, or language, uh, that, um, that there is some kind of seamless, frictionless mm-hmm. kind of um, experience that we might have where we're agents of communication and we are uh, agents of consumption who don't mm-hmm. have, you know, kind of a indigestion when we get when we're yeah, <laughs> so so you yeah. think
1: it's so so for you it's the, the mediating factor can be multiple things it's not just signification so I think a lot of people would say the really the only mediation is the signifier and immediacy is when we bypass the signifier but you said alien that's interesting you said alienation as itself a form of mediation can you Maybe say it. a little bit more about that? Yeah.
2: yeah, I mean, I think the thing that I'm concerned about is this notion that we are hyper-immediate to ourselves, that we're hyper-present mm-hmm. to ourselves. Yeah. And um, obviously that we even think in language and our you know, ego is made out of language and so on, but that, um, the phenomenon I'm worried about is a sense that... It's possible to be the master of yourself, mm-hmm. to the master of your domain. Yeah, know yourself on mm-hmm. command and mm-hmm. then speak your truth. Because, uh, and well, because, admit
1: is it because you're not? Because, and that's why you don't, aren't just confining mediation to signifier because in the relation to the self, it doesn't seem like the signifier is in the way of that, right? Right. Like that's so, but you want to say even to yourself, and maybe most importantly to yourself, you're not, you don't have an immediate relation. Right? Is that, oh, that would be the principle right? I would yeah. maintain yeah. Yeah.
2: as against the phenomena that concern me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 That m- perhaps most especially to yourself, you don't have an right. immediate right. relation. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: that's really interesting. I, I, um, I want to throw a, an example that, like, is a pretty everyday one that I see a lot um, on the internet because I like to play around on the internet as we've talked about. Right, right, the, right. previous right. Watching internet porn right. all the time. Yeah, all the, <laughs> all the fetish uh, that I can get. So the. One of the things I mean, and like porn is not a terrible example, uh, but where I think imme- uh, immediacy and immersion comes up a lot uh, is in visual media and particularly in narrative. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things that I push back against the most when I teach um, for what you know, hopefully end up being obvious reasons. But you'll see some uh, a lot of times people will set up uh, like a problem they had with. Game of Thrones a more recent thing. Uh, like, well, I don't understand why this happened in here, and it broke immersion for me. And, like, you'll see this a lot. Like, like, I, like it broke my, like, it took me out of it. And I, for, like, I've never, I, I like, I think that this this whole idea, I mean, this is sort of like uh, Noel, uh, is it Noel Birch? Like, the, like, um, IMR. Yeah. Like, you know, um, uh, like that there is this, like, uh, like you're totally bonded to, like, the cinematic image and, like, it, there, there is this, like, kind of, like, fantasy of immersion. And I find it really interesting when people write about this is they always write about this as, like, oh, it's other people who, like, can't make out that it's not real, but I, I totally know that it is. And anyway, I've never watched a movie and not been aware that I'm watching a movie. I've never seen a TV... Te- and it, not that I'm above the sort of fiction, but, like, um, one of the ways that I see, like... Uh, immediacy used as as like a critical shorthand to talk about the self Mm -hmm. basically is what that is. It's like this broke immersion for me. Now I'm going to tell you about me instead of actually engaging with the object. And so that and that I think is like one of the crucial uh, uh, aspects here, which is that like like immediacy is a way of actually not dealing with like the trauma or the uh, antagonism, the tension of, of actually engaging with the object itself.
2: Oh yeah, that's super fascinating. i I mean, I almost think that it's also that the disappointment that's being expressed sure. yeah. is that they're not getting the promised mm-hmm. refusal to engage with the object, where the um, work of art is supposed to be their enchantment and their, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, their escape hatch, right? Mm-hmm. And so then when you when it when it breaks for you, when it doesn't hold together, or when you're distracted by mm-hmm. it, that then what's happening is like you're not getting the full sense of that transport that would, that would allow you not to confront mm-hmm. the, not the object, but the world, right, <laughs> you know, right. um, which where they're both objects in that sense. But mm. yeah, I, don't, I mean, I guess the thing is what would be, what the demands that the world places upon us for um, encounter mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that then we long for some relief for are different than the demands that the um, object, that the work of art places upon us, right? And so what are we um, turning away from the work of art when we talk about our own reaction to it, mm. whether it's a complaint about immersivity or not?
1: Mm. What's the relationship between immediacy and the subject-object distinction? That's I, I mean, what you said about immersion kind of makes me think about, like, is that, does that distinction itself suggest... Mediation, or does that really not have anything to do with the problem of the mediation? It
2: should suggest mediation, right? Yeah. I mean, we should kind of encounter um, what that what is not the subject, or we should be able to turn the subject into an object of reflection and have mm-hmm, right. you know some distancing, a uh, distancing effect, right? But I think that there is a certain kind of reification regime. There's a certain kind of consumerist attitude. There's a certain kind of um, proliferation of opportunities for consumption and opportunities for consuming media. Which seem to somehow be, you know, changing the nature of that relation of, that, or of that distance. Okay, yes.
1: that are anti, that, that, that hide the fact of me medi- Because, yeah, you know, I think your position would be, right, that there is no real immediate relation ever.
2: No. Right. No, right. No, that so there all are are it families.
1: is, is so immediacy is always the sense of immediacy. Yeah. Right, right, right. Okay.
2: Yeah, it's not that I think that it's right. No, no, I, no. I mean, Even but, your relationship with yourself. Right, no, I know that. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know that. But
1: I just want to make that clear. that, And so then that makes me wonder... Is your point that – is it a historicist point in a certain sense that we're in, we're moving more and more into an epoch of the sense of – where the sense of immediacy uh, becomes totally dominant? And so you, it's very difficult to even wrench any sense of mediation out of that?
2: I'm worried that it is that kind of point. Yeah, yeah that there is something about um, – The technological shifts in our access to images, and about our um, uh, about the both ideological and material formations of human capital and privatization, and um, our you know our sense of ourselves as agents who are merely optimizing you know or necessarily all the time optimizing our internal Mm -hmm. resources. Um,
1: So that's interesting. So you for you it's more a sense of how we. Perceive ourselves. You didn't mention any specific technologies. Like I thought, the first thing you were gonna say was the phone, virtual reality. reality. Yeah, yeah, no, I I know, I know, I I understand that. But it's just interesting to me, and I'm not disagreeing with you. I actually I like that answer. It's interesting to me that what you emphasize is more like our, like our how we, like it's almost maybe you don't think about this, think this, but it's almost from your answer that you could say the same technologies could exist, and we could have just chosen a whole different way of relating to them, and then there wouldn't be the problem of this mass sense of immediacy.
2: But I don't think it's about choice. I really think it's about what the political economic regime of um, of, of privatization is, and mm-hmm. the making of individuals responsible for their own well-being, and how that sort of, it's like the like almost the action of kind of the self pulling up by the bootstraps Mm -hmm. is supposed, is like producing this sense of immediacy. Like I'm an, I'm an atom, you know, I'm only available for myself and I'm Mm -hmm. only, and I'm I'm a brand and I'm a, uh, and sort of all of those, um, you know, economic configurations Mm -hmm. that are historically specific, that are about, you know, the um, complete dissolution of the welfare state. Right. I didn't
1: mean choice in the liberal sense of choice. I meant, like, a larger societal... I mean, clearly there is some kind of... You don't think so? You don't think... Well, no, it's
2: just that what do you think the technologies come from? Like, if we didn't have, um, you know, late private capital in the form that we have, would we have as much, um, you know, mediation of, um, or as much availability of these commercial technologies and the communication? No, I
1: know I agree with that, but I just, I could imagine, I guess here's what I'm saying. I could imagine a world in which we all had phones that we carried around with us. Yeah. Where we never checked them. They just, they didn't really give us that much. They just let us, you know, call people when we wanted to call people. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. That to me is not unimaginable. I think that I don't know what you think about that, but that that's my sense of why I guess I wanna avoid a kind of technological determinism. Oh yeah, no. And okay. which I know you would too, mm-hmm. but I just I, I guess but I but, but it's
2: not because I can quite imagine that. Though you because you asked me about the phone recently also, it I do think that it's like we need some kind of More adequate psychoanalysis of the iPhone (laughs) than than we have because so what is really going on there right like sometimes it is that you're just actually sitting with your children or your husband or your friends or your students or your whatever and you kind of can't bear what's happening in Mm -hmm. front of you right and and you you need the screen right that's
0: why students this is I'm sorry to interrupt but this is why I think it's. This is why students take their phones out during class is it's not like it isn't necessarily that they're, I mean, maybe sometimes, whatever, they're bored and they they don't want to do anything. But I I tend to think that it has to do with like, there's just something that feels like a little uncomfortable, whether it's like, oh, I didn't pay attention for five minutes and I've missed the thread of this conversation and I can't take notes anymore. I'm going to check my phone. And that's something that I know. Like that's something that's more comfortable. Right. Like, it, like I, I don't know. Like I, like it's, it's like the the thing that was well, like a banal example of uh, you go to a concert and then you don't watch the concert. You watch yourself watch the phone watch the oh, concert. Yeah. Or you know? any art, yeah. Yeah, or any art, and, and like um, anyway, there like uh, Jack Spicer has a really wonderful poem called Imaginary Elegies, where he basically takes who whose point is this in the the photo play. Who who is? Oh, Hugh Munsterberg. Okay, who's radically against the f- photography as the technology because it, it doesn't it, it like tells you that it replaces a memory, but it really right. doesn't do that. There's no sense to it. Right. Like it it's it actually I mean maybe in a way like like maybe you would argue like you you think that it like it, it represents itself as this like immediate thing, but it's right. really really not. Right. Um, that's uh, Jack Spicer writes the kind of the same thing, but he says that that. This is what po- poetry does. Poetry gives you like a moment. It gives you, it, it, it like, a of, of photography tries to give you immediacy, and it's a lie. Well, isn't and that,
1: that yeah. why nobody reads poems
0: today? Yeah. Like, no, that's, oh,
2: but that's pe- not true. People write poetry is like in this huge renaissance, and there's all these Instagram poets, and it's like, but people, people write, people it, write but, it,
0: but, but they, they don't, don't read, read it. Yeah.
2: Well, it's being sold, which is very historically unusual, actually. Interesting. In okay. to the Instagram, yeah, okay. yeah okay. I don't know if anybody reads anything, but then also people are reading all the time. No, that's always a good way to put it. I <laughs> think that's yeah. totally true. Certain
1: kind of poetry, yeah. right? Like it's. I mean, oh yeah, it's you, self-
2: I mean, the, right. the main Instagram poetry goddess is a total self-expression. Right thing. now, yeah. I wonder if
1: you would link this even to Robert Lowell and Sylvia Plath. Like, are the they, confessional oh, poets right? Are they? Yeah. Are they some of the initial? Instigators of the sense of immediacy, like well, it's, well,
2: com- it's not just them. I mean, it's no. Wordsworth. You know, I mean, it's really whole, it,
1: so yeah, romanticism.
2: Well, yeah, because the, I mean, oh, it, yeah, there are all these ways saying. of configuring the history of the lyric. But when the imperative for poetry, as in the professor lyrical ballads, is to write in the real language of men and to do emotion recollected in tranquility and yeah, to yeah. you know, there's but that's
1: of, that's already mediation. It's a,
2: it's a little bit of mediation. It's the language and it's the time distance, but it's still like so that you can you know produce a sensation of of. Uh, something that people are then supposed to be in contact with from right. home. Yeah. I don't know. I mean th- you know, you there are a lot of ways of debating it about
1: tranquility is like the key part of it. I mean I look I share it I'm again I'm anti Romanian. So, well spontaneous <laughs> overflow of feeling
2: yeah, and then yeah, yeah, reflection. Yeah, yeah. Yeah
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, I, but well, I'm a novel person, so I would get into trouble talking too much about the ideology of the lyric. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but I do think that um, what I like about novels is also what I like about theory is the production of abstraction or objectivity, right, which I right. see as different than the production right, right. of right. these emanations uh-huh. of well, uh-huh. the subject. Even if you say that the lyric subject isn't the you know it's not Wordsworth in his own feeling that he's you know the, there's the persona in the poem, but there's still the aesthetic effect. Often is. Immersive. Right. Mm-hmm. So mine.
1: so there's a real link, you think, between Wordsworth and then this like I'm gonna shape I'm gonna make my brand. Like I hear people mm-hmm. say that I mm-hmm. mean that becomes like that becomes a in sports you hear this oh, all, all the, the time. time. Yeah, that yeah, that yeah. that the what the what the what the athlete is doing is not trying to win the game. Mm-hmm. They're trying to make their brand. Right. And that's there's no question about it. It's like Utterly just like there's no, it's not like, yeah. oh, they're not trying to win, they're trying to make their brand. No, no. That's the proper thing to that be is doing. The proper, yeah,
2: but also, I mean, look about it. And this is, like, I think one of the true barbarisms of, of uh, you know, our culture is professional sports. Like, just truly barbaric and disgusting. Like, the distortion and violence of the bodies and the concussions mm-hmm. and the football. Mm-hmm. And it's all for profit. And their bodies are, it's, they're not making the game because they're destroying their knees and they're destroying their, their you know, their lives. And they're not going to last very long. Like, all they have is their brand. Is their endorsements afterwards or they're being, like, an anchor afterwards? Okay, yeah.
1: sorry for the disruption because Anna was just thrown off the podcast. <laughs> for me, sports. Sports. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, but no, no, no. Come on. I mean, every every artistic endeavor requires sacrifice. Like you know, we were just talking with someone who's a violinist from the Baltimore oh, Symphony yeah, Orchestra right. who, can, who could I barely who, who yeah. gonna live a life in chronic pain because she was a violinist. Yeah. Do you, would you say the same thing? Like, let's get rid of the symphony because it produces, like, they're just putting their bodies up there and, and they're going to exist in chronic. Because she's not anomalous.
0: Well, it just seems more uh-huh, immediate with sports, doesn't it? Like that, that pain. Like for
2: the I, for the, the stakes yeah. are higher. I mean, yeah. obviously I don't mean to diminish her chronic pain, but like the like carpal tunnel that you get from playing violin is not the concussions from football and the concussions for football kill people in addition to com- you know the men commit domestic violence and they beat their children and they have you know right, but that's just suicide. football.
1: So then that doesn't apply to other sports.
2: Well, there are plenty of other sports you <laughs> could get a concussion and football is the most extreme. Well football is
0: CTE because it's the repetitive
1: It's actually not the concussion that's is, the worst thing but it's, yeah, it's, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it doesn't
0: matter. Where you, that's that is your, your your point is is right like it's the like the
1: Why are you giving ground on that? Sorry, <laughs> because she's
0: I had the t- t- I have the, th- you know, I have a thing like I, I feel for for that part yeah. of football. Yeah. So no, well, I mean I
1: yeah. do too because I'm suffering from that <laughs> yeah. disorder from too much college football. Okay, yeah. <laughs> all right, so let's get on a more subject we can agree on. More. <laughs> We should... No, let's make this
0: a sports <laughs> no, podcast yeah, right yeah, now. We yeah. have to go back to our justifications yeah. for, for... Our least
1: listened to podcast, by the way, Was I sports.
0: I think there? that's possibly true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Anyway. Anyway, um, anyway, let's let But,
2: on. okay, but even if you didn't think that sports were totally devastating... I like, think the way that can't they keep are, them up forever.
1: Right, but I also think that the way they are consumed today... I, I totally agree with your point, that it does... It is... I don't know, though, is you did the thing (laughs) i was gonna i was gonna agree and now i'm not sure i can because isn't like doesn't sports in some way highlight mediation like you're you're separate from it you're you can't play like they're playing in your stead they're your representatives you're rooting for the team because they're not but they're not you like the whole distance is Utterly, it's not like confessional, but it's so much better than confessional poetry.
2: Maybe. I think it's a terrible kind of mediation. I think it's okay to play sports, and it is not okay to spectate them. Really? Yeah, I really do. But again, like, then you're just... So, but That's not an advocacy for immediacy. It's for, um, for, for, for other kinds of signifiers and other kinds of sensuous experiences. Like, if you want to spend your time producing play... That is an immediate experience, and that's different than if you want to spend your time uh, consuming other people's like nationalist, jingoist, sexist, racist stories about, like, we're the team, you know? It's a, it's a, I, uh,
1: uh, but the teams aren't always national. I mean, in fact, the teams that we root for aren't national in any way.
2: They, they often are have the an implied ethnos or an implied in grouping. I mean this is still there's a logic of sports fandom. I I guess. Okay, okay. we have to guess. cancel the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like we can't we no, can't really talk about this because so let's talk about something else. No,
0: somebody said to me. No, really, somebody said to me this week that um, we agree too much. Yeah, yeah, that we should. Well, we should just have a one podcast where we don't agree about something. Okay. I think
2: this is fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, I'm
0: so I'm like, I'm all, I'm all for it. But I want to yeah. fight
2: with you. The thing that I actually like, I'm really smart about. I'm no. not so. I, yeah. <laughs> 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 sports, okay. or, you you know, no, no, yeah. no. Okay. It's theory from contempt. Yeah. <laughs> that's good that's
1: very good okay so but okay so let's let's think about the, the way that immersion functions psychically like yeah. what like what so what do you think is going on psychically and why does it appeal so much and like your phone thing I'm victim I, I fall victim to it too myself mm-hmm. like I will the elevator well, it, for me is the yeah. worst one mm-hmm. like if I'm in mm-hmm. the elevator and someone's it's a kind of awkward I you immediately pull out. Out, pull out my phone which I think is terrible yeah. But I, I can't, I, 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 you know, and I, I think to myself, I shouldn't be doing it, and yet I do it. So I wonder what it's doing for us. Like, what that immersion is doing
2: for us. Okay. So, I mean, I think it's probably worth distinguishing between when you take your phone out when you're by yourself and you can't bear it, and when you take your phone out and when you're with other people and you can't bear it. Like, which hell are you avoiding? Yeah. But in mm-hmm. both cases, I think what it's doing for us is like that we're not having the time to be bored, to have free yeah. associations, yes. to have troubling thoughts, to have perseveration. You know, like basically it's subtracting neurosis, you know, in right. a sense, mm-hmm. because it's giving us, um, you know, especially just like, oh, quick, I'll flip through Instagram, right? It's giving us images, and and this, to go back to your question about, like, is it the signifier, you know, is it just media? Like, the prominence of the visual probably, you know, has to be structurally changing our relationship with the signifier, even though it often comes with language, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, We are in an imaginary world, you know, because we're in the realm of the image. And so we are taking ourselves out of just the... Ennui and quietness and disturbance Mm -hmm. of our own mind, you know, being in the elevator. No, what, I, like god forbid you have to wait one second without new information yeah, right know, but that's so just bad for your creativity and it's so bad for not being in touch with yourself but being disturbed by yourself you know mm-hmm. so like that, you can preserve the illusion that like you know you are okay with yourself because you're always having the fun
1: okay trip. i totally agree with that but then why is it so appealing i mean like like I don't. I think. That, don't you think there is a risk? I, like, I totally agree with your opinion. Even though we disagree on sports, <laughs> I totally agree with your view on this. But I do fear that we're we're like 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 in what sense are we just a Cassandra? Like, and, and that 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 the like there's such an appeal to that, and mm-hmm. to get away like who's ever in human history stopped people from avoiding what's disturbing, right? Like. Like, can you, like, what what minister has successfully said, like, you got to really dwell in the disturbance? And, like, I mean, maybe that's what Heidegger says, but did he, does he have a lot of adherence around the world? No, like, even even Hitler said, no, no, why don't you stay in the Black Forest? Like, he didn't want him to, you know, so I don't, I don't know how much that can really, like, you know, isn't that just always going to win the day? I guess it's mine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree totally with the psychic damage that it does. I just wonder if, if you see any possibility for it not winning as a, as a, as the way that in which we that will just fundamentally reshape the humanity and the planet. Right,
2: fundamentally reshape. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, I I was I've been thinking about this a lot lately about the ways that um most of the actual. Things we would call theory mm-hmm. describe a kind of stage of um, human sociality and of technological progress that um, is not going to obtain anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Because we are so, so, so rapidly coming to a massive confrontation. With the um, ins- unsustainability of our extractive processes and our consumptive practices, and right. um, and uh, and it's totally here so much mm-hmm. already, right? Right, but
1: won't and, that make theory more exigent? Why do you think? Oh that?
2: no, I think it makes it more exigent, but I think it also makes it harder to apply in so many ways. I mean, not not that I believe in applied theory, but it's harder right, for the right, theory right. to actually be described. You know, it's like it has to invent whole new terms, right? Because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for instance, um, if you if you think that uh, that one of the things that is the condition of emergence for for the critical enterprise, right, is um, the decline of theocratic regimes and then mm-hmm. you know sure. decline even of monarchic regimes, right? Sure. Um, then um, that that status of reason as ungrounded. Is different in the historical moment of like the complete end of the human species that we brought upon ourselves with carbon extraction, mm-hmm. and um, because the because the problem of the limitlessness of reason is actually confronted, you know, with uh, the obstruction that like our extinction is upon us, mm-hmm. you know. So I so I do think that. Um, I do. I do worry that, like, yes, there's nothing. There's no stopping our um, I- irrepressible desire to get away from our own disturbance in civilization, our own disturbance in ourselves, right? But that there are some roadblocks that are coming for us. That are, are just food supply. Either. They're just mm-hmm. empirical, yeah. you know. And it's and and um, I mean the flooding in. Iowa and Nebraska and Kansas Mm -hmm. this winter and spring,
1: and the species extinction is going to be a huge. No,
2: no, that's what I mean. Like, but but like it's like and it's literally not being like the the breadbasket of America, billions and billions of dollars of crops and food that we're supposed to eat this summer and this fall did not grow because of that catastrophic flooding in Nebraska and Kansas right. and there was like a couple articles in the Wall Street Journal about it yeah. you know but it's like i keep watching the beef prices you know because <laughs> i'm like i don't eat beef but i'm like i'm like when it, when is this going to register that like you know these catastrophic events and then the the no bees and so no flowers yeah. and so no melons and so well no... isn't
0: it because that's actually immediate don't you think? Like, like that like anything that you like everything that you just said, like I would put under the umbrella of, of extinction, It was the word you just used. And that's actually like like immediate. like that, that is actually like our tangible like not you cannot get out of it reality. So in that way, maybe like you, you could actually call that actually immediate. And because it really would be like like so proximate that it would determine how ev- like completely reshape the way all relations would happen that's why it's avoided. And so then the immediate is the the phone thing, yeah, the, nice. the the VR thing, the like the, the stuff that that isn't. The stuff that is like how I think Aristotle says this at one point about like uh, if if you're in a pool and you put your fingers together, like the, the, you're not t- actually touching your fingers, you're touching like the water that's between your fingers. So it's like like that's you it's a, it's a fantasy of immediacy that's there. But what you're just talking about with extinction, that would actually be immediate.
2: I don't know. It's real. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah, if I don't know that's that like I would. Neither immediate nor. Immediate. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, don't because know because
1: I mean, so so I think that was a Heideggerian. That's Heidegger's position for sure, right? That that death is the one immediacy. I think he mm-hmm. thinks that. But I think even we. I don't think we can experience our own death as immediate. Like I mm-hmm. think we experience yeah. it even even just like we're not born immediate beings, right? We're born, we're born, like we're bathed in signifiers Mm -hmm. or something. Um, You're you're a a who before you're a what. Exactly. And so, and I think that's true of death too. Like, I don't think we can confront it even, nor I don't think should we advise confronting it as an immediacy because I think we have to think about the way it's, because how it's going to be mediated is it determines what's going to happen about mm-hmm. it. So I think mm-hmm. what you were just saying was a way of trying to shape how it's going to be mediated, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I see your point. I think yeah. there's something tempting to that. But I think even that though is not the it's still not an immediate thing because yeah. yeah.
0: No, no. I mean, I like I I would I would certainly move off the word choice because yeah, even yeah, as yeah. I was saying it it's I mean I think like the it's more like proximate is kind of more I think the better right, word. right proximate yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah um yeah. Yeah. you know because I yeah so I think that so I take the point um but yeah, I wonder really if yeah.
1: it's like you know how Freud says um, there's no fear of death because it's just it's all castration anxiety like mm-hmm. and I think that that it's something like that right mm-hmm. like like because you've already experienced the loss yeah then you like the final loss and death is already just you you in a certain sense you know what it is mm-hmm. because what you're really fearing is the thing that you've already lost
0: right mm, I like that well it's sort of you know what it's kind of like and I don't mean to take us back to sports but it's the reason why. The reason, I mean, I think you and I said this uh, on the the podcast no one listens to that. The reason why it's important is because it's just it is so meaningless. Right. Like it's just right. a, utterly meaningless. Right. And that's the that's the condition for investing in it in the first place. And right. Why it can mean right. anything, and right. I, I think it's a similar idea. Right, and that's yeah. the last word on sports. Last, <laughs> word, <laughs> the word, last word on sports. Yeah, because otherwise I want to contest yeah, that. She's be upset. <laughs> that's fine.
2: Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but but I I don't
1: know about I mean so I th- I do think you're right about the way, but so so your your view is that those coming events and present events present present mm-hmm. mm-hmm. will have the effect of forcing us to confront media, to, to give up the sense of immediacy that we've become so attached to, you think?
2: Let me see how I would describe it. One is those coming events um, cannot be handled in the imaginary. They will, deme- they will require new kinds of Abstractions, cognitive mediations, and so on. Um, but the other is that that um, the fantasy of immediacy or the sense of immediacy, the everyday, mm-hmm. you know, uh, life of immediacy. I do think um, can't have its material determinants stay in the same position okay. much longer. So you think
1: we'll have less memoirs to deal with? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so.
0: I'm um, always up for a slam on nonfiction.
1: No, I mean, yeah. it's a, no, I mean, isn't for you? Wouldn't you say, like? I, I'm just curious. What do you think the greatest symptom is? The memoir the biggest symptom of the sense of immediacy, or what would you say it is?
2: Oh. Um, I mean that's
1: certainly one, right?
2: It's one. The biggest one that's really hard to say because uh, you know the. I think like monetized toddlers who are brands and influencers on yeah. YouTube oh, yeah, right, yeah. like yeah, might yeah. already be yeah. the, a worse symptom than the memoir. Memoir is a bad one. Yeah. Um. There are so many, and tr- the ones that cut me worse are not the Oprahisms, and are you okay. know, and are not. Um, the uh, you know kind of cosmetics campaigns or something like that, but it's the uh, the ones that are in theory and that are in criticism. Themselves. Right, oh, right. So yeah. Although you
1: mentioned Michelle Obama's memoir because I it didn't. sold. Tell me, what's you know the sold thirteen
2: million copies in four months. I mean, that's when I looked it up like two weeks ago. It's probably mm-hmm. sold more than that by right now. So mm-hmm. it's the best-selling memoir of all time.
1: And how does that? How would that compare to? Novels being written today, sales wise, like dwarf, just dwarfing oh, the best. Oh yeah, just dwarfing novels. the best selling novels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. Um, I do I mean, what even are the best selling novels right now? Right. I think what we'd novels? all have a hard time. Like Game of in. Thrones, you know, like yeah. Yeah. which aren't
0: really novels. yeah. No. mostly Y. I mean Y A novels. novels. those novels do well. Those sell yeah. The most. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I but, mean there
2: are New York Times bestsellers, but. Um, But what are they? Well, they're like
1: bestsellers in the sense that all of us write bestsellers. (laughs) and that is No one buys them. Okay. Um, I mean, relatively. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like like compared to the other media.
2: Right, right, right. I don't know. I mean, okay. I don't know if you would have an answer for what that biggest symptom is. And I'm not sure what the, again, yeah, the one that hurts my Heart, is as the, a is the
1: child theory? monetized... You? No, no, I
2: think that's the... It's, it's the worst. Because at least the, the author of the memoir has to, like, go mm. out and get an agent and they know what they're doing and so on. But the toddlers who are the monetized influencers, like, it's just... Um, it's not even their cultivated writing, you know. Right, right. It's just it's Right. So,
1: right, so once you're already writing a memoir, you've already at least acknowledged mediation to some extent. To some extent.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, yeah. Of, and of course, right. they're all the gimmicks of like, oh yeah, my memory's not complete and stuff. But right, like that's, right, that, that right. doesn't doesn't right, really right. disrupt the. Right. I
0: wonder. If, mm. Yeah. That's well. I was gonna say that's why that's why one of the best ones is. Um, uh, Tim O'Brien's uh, the, the Things thing They thing, Carried, right. because that is officially listed as fiction. Mm-hmm. If you look at is that. it really? Yeah, it really is. Yeah. 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 Interesting. yeah. And that, yeah. Yeah. Um, I love the, I actually think like, um, I've, t- I've taught this before. Like, like I think that the story, the how to tell a true war story, is a very theoretical thing. Because, like, students, just like, brief tangent on this, because I know maybe a lot of uh, American listeners had to read the story in high school, so maybe it's resonant or whatever. But, like, the, will people reading that story like, to uh to take out of it is like oh what he says is like there is no truth like you can never get there it's just all different kinds of stories and that's always like that's absolutely the wrong <laughs> wrong reading but it's like a very ideological one which is like it's my truth and your truth and and no one is wrong except for if you move on to the outside of secular morality and then it's like well it seems like such a what well, we've talked about some of the before like it's just like oh so so it's only truth if it's on the side of secular morality. Like, oh, okay, and then you have lost the political terrain because that's where you have located. The truth. But right. what he's really saying is that, and I think this is, I think this is really great. Is that truth is a process, and it not only is it a process, but it's a process that requires fiction. Yeah. And I, I think that that like that's what's like wonderful about that. And anyway, that's why that's a like you know, uh, I suppose rises above uh, uh, the the memoir pile. Well, it's interesting I because
1: I think that that idea that truth has the structure of a fiction is precisely so, what one of the problems with the sense of immediacy, right? It's the idea that we could get directly. In fact, not only does it not have the structure of fiction, fiction is what obfuscates truth so yep. I need a memoir and even a memoir is too fictional probably I right. need something that's as direct as I can have it I need the right.
2: picture of every single thing I ate today right. Yeah. Right. you know mm-hmm. I need the Fitbit that's you know documenting how many steps I took today right. I need but
1: it's interesting you like Facebook because I would see Facebook as a real culprit in this
2: oh of course I think all the social media platforms yeah. are real yeah. you mean that I personally use it you, well the,
1: just that you've spoken to me yeah, before, yeah that, that you yeah. no no I wasn't trying to you know, no but I but I mean, you've spoken to me before of the, the beneficent dimension of Facebook. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well. Okay. So put it like this: I'm a formalist, so i you have to analyze different media and different sure, situations sure. and how they function. I'm an academic. I use Facebook almost exclusively for professional things. You know, okay. I mean, I have a personality in that comes out there, but I don't really post pictures of my child. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I am mostly friends with other academics, and in, and indeed, if you look at my list of like what twelve hundred friends or something, the ones of them that I have met in person is maybe you know two thirds of that or something. Mm-hmm. It's not the whole thing because people friend each other all the time through mm-hmm. because they consider it an academic networking mm-hmm. tool. And the truth is that it has very specific formal affordances that are useful for academics. Our work is very lonely. I mean, teaching is great, Mm -hmm. but if you're trying to write anything... You're almost always doing that by yourself. If you're a humanist, we don't co-author the way that social scientists do it. Mm-hmm. You know, for all kinds of reasons. Who would and ever
1: I co-author think. a theory book? That's just fucking ridiculous. Todd, uh, you might have... Uh, <laughs> <taught> <laughs> a, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but,
2: but you, one notes your extreme logoria and output and that you've only a co-authored one book. Okay, <laughs> but, okay, okay. And you have plenty of candidates with whom you could probably do it, right? Okay, you have yes. lots of good comrades
1: that you talk to all the time yeah, that yeah. I drink, but you've only got one. I do want to push you about Yeah, jackass. <laughs> I want to even it out. <laughs> I want to push back a little bit of this because you just said it's a very lonely profession, right?
2: Yeah. But
1: what's the difference between being lonely in your profession and being lonely on the elevator and pulling out your phone to look at it versus posting nice something then. on Facebook? Well,
2: Okay. I think it's because a question said, of, of scale and degree. Yeah, yeah, no, but it's not. I'm avoid. It's I'm mitigating the loneliness, right? I get up in the morning, say, and I write my thousand words or whatever. You know, like my I do my quota, <laughs> and I <laughs> and I think about what's going on, and then I'm like, who has a really good theory of freedom, like, why we have all these accounts of domination, but what's right. a good theory of freedom? I'm going to post this query in my, like, theory Facebook group, mm-hmm. you okay. know, or, yeah. and, and other academics who I know and value are going to answer me, and that's going to tell me what I should read that afternoon, you know, okay. um, so I totally use it that way, you know, and I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, so,
1: so you're not saying it, it, it obviates loneliness in the sense that I was talking about, you're just no, saying no, not existential it, loneliness, It allows you to, like, find th- ideas that you otherwise wouldn't have access to
2: Partly that I mean that I mean obviously people did research before there was a Facebook. <laughs> nice. It's more that I'm saying that like um, I can um, more quickly and with broader reach than talking to the card catalog. I can have interactions with people that are um, first I was alone at my desk. Then I was like, oh, what's this problem? Mm-hmm. Then I get other people's like associations and refractions, and they're never the things you want. Just like the algorithm doesn't give you the things that you right, want, right? right? When you go to the library and you're like, I want a book about you know, pajamas, but it's not, you don't really want to book about pajamas, but you don't know that you don't mm. want to book about pajamas, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it's like an occasion for um, for social interaction while you're still kind of doing your work and there's the thing that's not so social about writing. I
0: have, I have a big question here because I think this actually pulls back to Todd's first question or uh, or what, it doesn't matter which one it. it is.
2: Start talking, right?
0: <laughs> right, so now I'm getting myself up. Uh, where... You said that in the beginning of this conversation that like is there not a kind of orientation to these technologies that would not that would uh, sort of highlight oh, the okay. mediate mediation the, the the how they're mediated and not go to immediacy. I feel like you're kind of identifying. You just answered that. Yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think
1: that's right. Like so, so it wouldn't be like my preference would be destroying Facebook and maybe executing that. Guy that invented it, was mm-hmm. Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. Yeah,
2: but Michael Voss twins. They've but, already been excommunicated. <laughs> really? Well, they're excommunicated but, um, from the prophets. Okay, yeah, you know,
0: yeah, yeah, in society.
1: Yeah. No, I'm against the death penalty. Let's just be clear, but um, but I, I would I, I just would say that I do think I do like that idea a lot that that there's a way to relate to the thing like it's not and I I do I'm I'm somewhat. I mean, I just said technological determinism before, but I, I but I, I, do think that you can use any thing in the, in a different way, and I think that way can. It's, it doesn't just have to be a private perverse. I'm not using. I'm going to take my phone, and I'm never. I'm only going to use it to make phone calls. That to me mm-hmm. seems just private and perverse, and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But I think there's there can be ways in which we sort of reshape the 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 way a thing a technology like Facebook or whatever, mm-hmm. functions yeah. by using it in a different way, in maybe, hat maybe hat. using it against the way that it was
0: designed to be yeah. used. Yeah, like that does seem like radically anti-ad um, tech, like how you just described using I know. Facebook. In fact, yeah.
2: one of the things that I can feel like all the time happens to me with Facebook mm-hmm. is that I try to type either in private messages to mm-hmm. people or in my posts in these groups, theory terms, mm-hmm. neolotisms, mm-hmm. Big substantives, yeah, 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 you know, German constructions, so French words, be- and that, no, and that, but the autocorrect is so aggressive. Yeah. Like in Facebook, it's even more aggressive than when you're texting somebody on your iPhone. Uh, yeah. It changes it like four times, and you have to undo it like four times because it's trying to force the signifier into yeah. a thing that it recognizes, so the algorithm can tabulate it. Yeah. But it can't yeah. really count. German theory words, you know, mm-hmm. and it certainly can't count the neologisms that theorists are prone to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like I encounter that all the time. Yeah, yeah. and I don't. It's. Tr- I mean, I don't get a lot of ads in my Facebook feed because I don't like like brands on it. Sure. You know, some people use it to get coupons or whatever. Yeah, or whatever yeah, you know, yeah, I don't yeah. use it. Yeah, I mean, okay, but so what are the communities that support these uses? Because you say it can't just be the individual thing, right? A thing that I've noticed at this conference we've been at the last few days mm-hmm. is how not tweeted it is. Yeah, People are obsessed with tweeting live mm-hmm. conferences now, and it's like they're not even taking notes, they're just tweeting the papers yeah. and the hashtag for every conference, and, oh, this is accessibility because people who are disabled who can't afford to come or whatever, now they can be at the conference. Right. So like yeah. This is a huge thing, and I've noticed that it doesn't appear to me that people are doing that. Right, and I haven't seen you know, I know, almost Yeah, Almost nobody is even looking at their phone. Right. And some yeah. of it has to do with our particular context as to, like, sure. lack, right? That none of us are here for professional necessity, right? right We're right, all right, here right. for... It all hurts all our career. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, right, right, yeah right. you know, so you better pay attention, right? Because right, yeah, right. it's going to cost you. But the signifier lack
1: actually suggests that you shouldn't be on your phone while someone else is talking because you're trying to avoid the lack. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. right,
2: right. Yeah. There's something about the immediacy that also is you can't acknowledge any differences except the superficial differences, right? Mm-hmm. And right. so yeah. the construal of what it means to have rights is that you should be exactly the same as everybody else.
1: Except, okay, yes, except you're not, you can't speak for someone else who's different than you, right? So, okay. So mm-hmm. isn't that a weird thing that on the one hand, like, it's totally flat, everyone has to be treated the same. Mm-hmm. But then on the other hand, there's this, absolute, like, everyone is so different that their perspective can never be, you can never get to it, you, you can understand. never approximate it even, you all All you right. have to say is, you, and Ryan and I have talked to this many mm-hmm. times, like, you have your truth, like, this is. I'm speaking, speaking I just, just have to speak it. my truth. Right. But you and know, what the, the
0: extreme, it. sorry, the extremist <laughs> of that position is actually, like, you, you push that to the edge, what some... Good-hearted liberal person who is saying that that like you cannot speak for someone's experiences, You're basically so you're letting racists off the hook then. Of That's course. That's what you're saying. That like so they don't have to understand other people. So you're saying they, they just only need to understand themselves. Or
1: or like, I mean, my question would be how how can you understand the racist like yeah. how. Like, who are you to speak for them? I mean, they have... Yeah, a, yeah. You they open have up that as, as, like, what a terrible position
0: to have to, like, argue against or have to adopt. I mean, like, There's no way that you would really, you would ever want to.
1: racism
2: isn't people's feelings. I mean, you know, I, I'm not sure I like that as the example of this. I absolutely agree 100% that there there is a kind of just pernicious... Um, Self reification of like nobody mm-hmm. can communicate with anybody else and everybody just speaks their truth. And I think it's a terrible side of it is in creative writing workshops where there's just this absolute ideology that you can only write yourself. Yeah, sure. You yeah, cannot yeah. write a character yeah. who's got a different. So why do you think can... racism What because I, because I don't think the way to explain racism is that it's about people's personal attitudes and that you have to uh, to understand the racist, you have to No, get inside their no
0: I agree no. totally. That's but that's how we're, we're like following along the line of like the person that would have that argument yeah, is yeah. that. Is that racism is like, is ignorance of somebody else. That's, Uh and so. So your point is you
1: only know your own truth. Yeah. Then how can you know the truth of the races? Like that—that's my point. Like once you go down that road, I think you've already cut off the potential of being critical. Oh yeah. I mean that's yeah. I mean yeah like that's what it is. Finally. Isn't that it? Is it's totally, like, yeah right. There. That's why I th- yeah.
2: say that what really cuts me is the theories that are themselves espousing immediacy because yeah. it's, yes. the, it's the the possibility of theory that's at stake. Yeah. So
1: who? So I mean not who, but what? What kind of theory do you think? Like would you? I, I mean, the one I would think of right away is affect theory. Like, to yes. me, affect theory is all about just I can speak my own immediate affect, unmediated, and then you can speak yours, and et cetera, et cetera,
2: right? Well, right, or that affects themselves sort of traffic around. I mean, I think there are certain kinds of it. Some kinds of affect theory thinks it's more, you know, political and is maybe more a successful at that. Um, but I do think certain uh, versions of it, absolutely. I think a more... Problematically about uh, certain most kinds of eco theory that are not Marxist mm-hmm. at all, where you know, and certainly OOO oh, 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 and mm-hmm. the new materials and the vibrant matter, and all that stuff. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, yeah. where um, there's just this you know kind of notion of the leveling and the seamlessness and you know Latour and the flatness, all these things, mm-hmm. where um, you know everything is molecular and everything is the same, and you know, but also every, you know everything in its own. So those worry me more, where there's no concept of subjectivity, right, Right. because Mm -hmm. everything is just kind of like distributed agency. And um, and then I worry about, um, yeah, certain kinds of gender, sexuality, queer theory, where there's a sense of... Flexible adaptation and performance and um, self-signification and self-authorization yeah. but I think there's also the project right about choosing how the other recognizes you Correct. which I think is another mm-hmm. form of this diminution of subjectivity or this refusal of the contradiction right like we yeah. because what is it to be like a stupid human being stuck with other people but to not be recognized the way mm-hmm. you want to be recognized right, right, right? right. Um, and that's because your ego is SJ. Right, um, right and that's because language is imperfect and that's because it was what it means to be, to be stuck with others and so um, and' it's it dependent it? upon them and so misrecognition. it's like the effort to um, you know programmatically illuminate misrecognition mm-hmm. I think is that's one of the guises of the immediacy yeah <laughs> so, so
1: mm-hmm. back to this idea of how we might deal with it one way would be to th- accept to think that there's actually something more, satisfying or enjoyable in being misrecognized yeah. than in being properly recognized, yeah. because mm-hmm. then this, that's a sign that you've actually, you're in touch with not just the demand of the other, but with the desire of the other, right? Like in this idea of, and I think it's interesting that the most, it depends on what you think is the, is the one, but the prevailing, I think, interpretation of Hegel today is as a philosopher whose political project is one of mutual recognition, and I think that's seems to me, and I think there's a that's that symptomatic of a larger whole political movement of how do we, I need to be recognized, this person, and and the what it fails to see, and I think this is where it comes back to the question of mediation, fails to see in which the way in which the it it has to be some big other that's doing the recognizing, and thus completely alienating you. So there's never so no recognition ever gets it right, but. But because there's nothing to get right.
2: Mm-hmm. No, right, and then there's the whole complex of sort of treating recognition like it's a substitute for actual equality, right, right. or right. for actual right. power sharing, right. So um, you know, Nancy Fraser is really good talking about this, as are many you know critics of various kinds of identity politics, like that. Recognition is not available to us. Mm-hmm. That's I think a fundamental psychological point, right? Right, right, right? And so um, why are why but but. Power sharing is available to us. Right. Adequate food and housing and medical care yeah. for all, right, are yeah, available yeah. to us. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, but those, but, you know, what is liberalism but the conflation of one of those versions the other,
1: you know.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, and the, and the, the choice to have or to not have, right, yeah. like that's the, yeah, rather than the, uh, the guarantee, Right, yeah, well, it's
1: against it's interesting because it does it does align mediation with universality, yeah. I think, which is what I think is the key point and and I wonder if you think too that that there's a relationship i mean I mean I'm pretty sure you're going to say yes, but a relationship between particularity, this this insistence on particularity and the and the sense of immediacy that those two things go together, and that and, and, and that my particularity is absolutely distinct. And yep. that thus, I have the, and, and, and that gives me a sense of immediacy. Yeah, That's absolutely.
2: What, uh, and I would yeah. yoke that to various knowledge industrial yeah. complexes that understand particularization as mm-hmm. what um, meaningful, verifiable knowledge is, right? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a certain kind of scientific positivism, it's most kinds of historicism, it's most kinds of social scientific, um, you know, uh, kind of proper scope and delimitation of their inquiries into social variables and and it is unfortunately also much of what has passed for theory of the you know because in the humanities we think about ourselves as cherishing you know the the unique and of offering up the particulars in a way that contests and dismantles the universal and the general and um that undoes these
0: bigger formations right, right. and that hybridizes and qualifies and, you know, it's subtle. Yeah. I right? wonder. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, oh. Cause yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's right up my alley, like uh, on, on this particular point. Like I think that there, I would want to maintain like, and there this, maybe, maybe I should write it, but there's, there needs to be the intervention in like, in theory that stamps out that what most when people write about, like, universality as a bad thing, what they mean is flattening.
2: That's actually what they mean. That's what they mean. Yeah. But, which yeah, is
1: what What's fascinating about that is that means what they're really upset about is particularizing. Yes. But yeah. That seems like it's an all- yeah,
2: but, but, I mean, but I think flattening is our condition of freedom, right? So, like, when Todd says, what we actually need is a big other who can, mm-hmm. you know, hand out the recognition, as mm-hmm. it were. It's like, you need... You know, uh, the state as a vehicle of formal equality, which just says Medicare for all. Yeah. There is no one who is without rights. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. free lunch for everybody, right. or whatever, mm-hmm. free college right. for everybody, right? right. Like right. The, those universal right. instituted provisions, right? right are um, formal equality. And then you can take your exceptions to them. Like, you know, right. Right. I don't right. want right. breakfast, but... <laughs> <laughs> you no, know?
1: I love that. And I think it's interesting because I, I feel like that the the... You're right. I think the entire thrust of the humanities is to take the side of the particular yeah. against mm-hmm. this overweening, yeah. universe oppressive yeah. universality. What administer rationality?
2: I mean, yeah. it's, it, there are long genealogies of why this is right. So horrible, like but, yeah. right.
1: So it's interesting because it's it's there, it, it it has a genuine leftist origin. Like I think. It's, it's Adorno. I well, Adorno mean, it's not the just time.
2: Adorno. It's queer theory. It's antinomianism. It's not yeah, Adorno
1: predates those. I mean, I, no, think, right. I think Adorno shares a large part of the blame for this this notion of instrumental rationality. Oh, yeah.
2: You know, mm-hmm. we need to be instrumental a lot of the time. Right, right. We should be. Yeah. You know, the, the point of the humanities isn't to say... Were the useless no instrumentality it's to mm-hmm. be able to have the skills to decide between good and bad instrumentality
1: right right I wonder about I wonder about what you said something about the state because I think that mm-hmm. I, that's a that's something that we have a lot in common about and I I wonder and people get upset with me for my yeah. views about the state as I know they do with you too and I wonder um, how you would relate this this uh, sense of immediacy to the the position on the state that is yeah. but see because it's interesting because i think how, and how would you divide the art the, the position on the state between right and left so and and so, what all of this question of yeah.
2: i mean i think um that the state is an abstraction it's a mediating form it is one that has to be exceeded to as a whole and um as a formal apparatus where the point is like mediation, right? That it's like, this is this rubric that isn't about me, and isn't exactly what I want, and isn't groundable, and isn't identical with itself, and isn't necessarily Mm -hmm. rational or legitimate, Mm -hmm. right? But that can get shit done because it's a form, and because it's a standing formation, and because it has, um, if it has certain principles of abstract equality, you know, built into it, right? Um, And that people... I think the rightist notion is not to want to perceive the state as formal, but to want to give the state an identity, right? To perceive, right, right, you know, right. to have it be have an ethnos and a national... have a content. Yeah, have yeah, a content. Yeah, yeah right. you know, no. um, you know. Uh, so a
1: leftist conception, at least our leftist conception of the state, would be it's a form. The state is a form, and I would would you accept this that state is the form, nation is the content, and so I think the rightist. I think even rightists are anti-state and pro-nation and I think because the nation provides that content that state is just an empty form even for the right-winger and they need the idea of nation because you know they say the pledge they take their hat off they don't kneel during the national anthem all these things that sports was able to get us to see this great political act Uh (laughs) (laughs) I
2: love the podcast my eyebrows are very hard (laughs) that's sorry (laughs) Sorry,
1: that's such a, a cheap shot. But um, but I, do, I I wonder if you'd accept that, that nation is the content and state is the form.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it, and I'm sure there are maybe some cool theorists who put it that way. Before, Probably before um, us, yeah, But, yeah. but I, I also really, really want to insist right here that when you said our kind of leftists, that the vast majority of theoretical and practical leftists consider themselves wholly anti-state, precisely for yeah. the reasons that it's formal, that it's institutional, that is it's... Um, and so that they are the position as... Not nation, but you know, burn it all down, abolish the state, withering of the state, which Marx didn't even say, by the way. You know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. it didn't, doesn't mean anything, you know, and anarchy, which I see, frankly, even though some of my best friends are revolutionary anarchists, right? I see it as just the absolute um, political guise of expressivism and immediacy. We just talked about this. I, I called
0: it uh, libertarian socialism. Yeah. 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 It's yeah, this, like, it's just in. Yeah, I mean, and it only... Ex- I mean, you kind of said this in the panel the other day, like, I mean, all, all, that fantasy really only exists... I mean, it's the same as libertarianism. It can only exist as, as, insofar as it doesn't happen. I mean, like, you want to look at, like, I mean, you want to look at the fantasy of libertarianism, uh, like, go live in Georgia, the country, because in their uh, constitution, they have enshrined a flat tax. They don't really make anything. They just serve as this, like, conduit for, like, all kinds... And it's terrible for everybody. (laughs) Nobody would really want to live like that. So, like, I mean, like, it's, I don't know, one of these uh, beliefs, I think, you know, libertarianism in America that is only sustained because the roads are maintained by other people. And there is all kinds of collectivity, and it's really the only way that you can say... Uh, that like taxation is theft, and uh, whenever anyone says that, I, like, well, no one said this in my presence in a long time. But I want them to say that. I want them. As, so I'll say to them, it's "Like, so you think you're stealing from me then? <laughs> <laughs> you can give, give me some money then? Like, you you're, you think yeah. you're taking me? Yeah. But I but something that you said um, suggested uh, an idea to me that I I don't know if it fits in with this exactly, but um, and I've been meaning to bring this up to you for a long time. Is that one of the things that I think is significant about Bernie Sanders is that he is the only Candidate for the Democrats who does not care about being liked. Uh huh. And I think that is because he embraces what you're saying about the status form. Yeah. And the problem with Democrats, and I think this has been the pro- problem with Democrats for a long time, is that they really need to be
2: liked. They really need to be But right. they yeah. think that it's about personality and yes. charisma. Bernie doesn't yeah. comb his hair. He doesn't iron no. his suits. No. He, he's not. He's not charismatic. You know, it's so yes. funny. Um, the, the, there's an effort almost to, to sort of like dismiss him as like charismatic, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. as charismatic. Mm-hmm. He's really not. He's really quite boring, yeah. you know. And I actually, you know, we were thinking about spectacle society and sort of like mm-hmm. aesthetics that might be counter to it in one of our sessions here yesterday. But I think that the boringness is like some of his true promise. Yes. And yeah, it's not. It's not about him, you know. Mm-hmm. There yeah. are a bunch of angry feminists, including many I'm friends with, right, who think, oh, it's just all about him. He's just such a man, and he needs to get out of the way and stuff like that. But yeah. I, I fully do not believe that. Yeah. Yeah, I would like yeah. to be on the record that she is a feminist candidate in the race Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: not present. president. Followed closely by Elizabeth Warren. We, I but, yeah. Yeah. No, I like, we, we both like Warren yeah. as well. So, yeah. so, well, so this yeah. is our second choice. Well, because <laughs> yeah. yeah. well, that's
0: the thing. The thing about not caring to be elected is it means... Y- y- like what? What is the thing that Democrats haven't been? They haven't been bastards for an idea. Like yes. he would just be a, just a total bastard for like I'm gonna sell out all my political will for this health health care. Right. But I'm but also, it's thing. interesting
1: because yeah. in Vermont, he's not people. He's unfriendly. Like <laughs> people. Don't, no, and that's, and that's
0: a mark against him for some, for some people. Like, well, I mean... I mean we're, saying, we're saying it, but we're all saying it's positive. But it, yeah.
1: what's interesting yeah. is, I've said this to many people, he gets a Stalinistic proportion of the vote in Vermont. Yeah. Like, that's... So, <laughs> it just shows that personality doesn't, doesn't necessarily... No, no. I mean, and it's,
2: that's the, the problem is that the persona politics, right, mm-hmm. match onto this idea of immediacy, that mm-hmm. I'm right. supposed to be represented. Right. Right? right. right? You know? And... I would love a black Bernie. Yeah, 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 yeah. who wouldn't? There yeah. are plenty of them, actually. You know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. who are mm-hmm. activists at different levels and are mm-hmm. leaders at different mm-hmm. levels. You know, Keith Ellison's
0: pretty good. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, Nina Turner's amazing. Yeah. So yeah. a you know, yeah. I mean, uh, but uh, but this somehow there is a certain way that the recognition configuration and the immediacy phenomena like sort of ends up that we think that our government is representative. Right. It's not, and if you can perceive the form Mm -hmm. and what it offers you, and the debates over the purpose of the form Mm -hmm. as where you could be represented or where you Mm -hmm. could have a possibility of justice, Mm that is different than seeing yourself reflected. Right. This this goes and this goes back to
0: the like you can only represent the position of which you uh, occupy in a very uh, superficial way. Yeah. Right. What I find
1: interesting about what you just said is Anna is that. Representation itself suggests mediation, right? Right, so I, which I think it's interesting. Then you, you said, I can only find myself reflected, and I think that's an interesting distinction, right? Like, right. we want a candidate that reflects us, not a candidate that, that actually rep- represents rep- us. Yeah. And so, I feel yeah. like there's a, and, and this is a, somebody we've kind of been sticking, uh, sort of not talking about, but it's lurking, be- it's kind of like this Deleuzean. Suspicion of all representation that's become mm-hmm. like yeah. at least theoretically, yeah. I think the dominant position today. And, yeah. And you mentioned object orientology, which I think you mispronounced as O because uh, Graham Harmon in the book Object Orientology says it's pronounced triple O. So just, just a, come on, <laughs> come on, Graham. I swear, no, no, to no, I, 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 I believe you. Yeah, I, I swear Yes. <laughs> I've never heard it pronounced
2: triple O. That's so
1: funny. That's the. That's the. I, Maybe I'm wrong, but he said. No, okay, I no, no I sure. yeah. the book. Anyway, who cares? I need um. to recognize his <laughs> signature. <significance>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's his pronouns. <laughs>
0: you know so, this great story? You must, you must know this. <laughs> Sorry, we're all laughing
1: because uh, it
2: was such a <laughs> good joke.
0: By okay. Uh, uh no.
1: you, to be deleted? <laughs> no, nothing's ever deleted on this podcast. Even if oh. the doorbell rings, it still stays in.
0: No, um, we, we, <laughs> it's, we. It's covering your
1: eyes. Uh, okay, it's pretty good. Should be covering your ears. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So my point. My point is, even he, Deliz is a, is a good guy, right? So I think who maybe shouldn't be.
2: Oh yeah, not for me. Yeah, no, but <laughs> even for Harmon himself. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I don't th- right. I'm not
1: sure Deleuze should be a good guy, and yet he's a good guy. And so I, I wonder if this, if what's lurking in the theoretical background of all this is Deleuze and, this, and the idea and the suspicion of signification, the suspicion of representation, and this idea that desire is... Expressive, or like like the book book on Spinoza is expressivism in philosophy, and so I feel like there's something really to that theoretically, and and I wonder if all these other like all the other theories that you mentioned, they they have a foot, at least maybe unknowingly, in Deleuze. I think that's right. Yeah, Yeah. interesting. can yeah. I just ask you one We're We're toward the yeah. end. But I want to ask you a fun question. So you talked uh, in your talk here about unconscious bias, yes? No.
2: No, no. So, I did not talk about unconscious bias. No, but bias. I thought you said... Well, someone talked about it. So yeah. I'm
1: gonna you hear, heard it unconsciously. I heard it unconsciously. <laughs> now, and I thought it was... Someone said an interesting thing about it. They said that we we have an idea of unconscious bias, but we never really think it's unconscious. Mm-hmm. Like, we we we've yeah, we detached don't. it from the actual unconscious it's like the, the Starbucks thing,
0: thing. like they, they they closed all the Starbucks for r- racial mm-hmm. sensitivity to, right. which is like because of unconscious bias, which actually means that they think it's conscious bias, and that's right, what they're trying to do. Right, 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 right. Which is a fine project to do that, but it's that you're kind of missing the point. But I think yeah.
2: unconscious bias itself, right, it's a construct from diversity, corporate diversity management literature, right, right and right. it is a wholesale repudiation or repression of psychoanalysis. It doesn't. It doesn't mean unconscious. Yeah. It means habitual. It means not yet. Um, you know, process in a webinar, means,
1: <laughs> Or <laughs> pre-conscious.
2: Yeah, yeah, You know, um, And uh, because I think the point that was made in the conversation was it's not unconscious bias, it's unconscious enjoyment. Unconscious, right? Enjoyment. You know, that when um, the police officer shoots Lickland McDonald 16 times or any number of unarmed victims uh, does, you know, this pure excess of times, right, that is enjoyment right there. Um, but they can't avow it because they just say it's fear, you know, and, yeah, yeah. I, now i know what to ask you. Okay. How do you How would you
1: think about enjoyment in relationship to the sense of immediacy? Because it comes back to that question I asked earlier. Like, did, in what sense are we so attached to these things that you can't that to preach against them is to preach against the wind? You know, you're John the Baptist yeah. in the wilderness, and so, uh, so, what's the is there like is there a way of saying like, look, if we really just think our enjoyment in the, a different way or in the there is a proper way that we would actually then discard those things and turn to other turn to mediation. Yeah. Because actually, you know what? You're and I think it is true that you know you said we're afraid to be bored, but my God, it's boring to keep swiping through the things yeah, yeah, and looking yeah. at. I mean, I don't have, I've never looked on Twitter, but I know that it's boring. It's boring to look at, it. for one thing, they don't have to write enough to make it interesting, right? So, well, well no, they changed a, that.
2: You have to, that have to highly curate your thing, you know, to go back Okay, whatever right, 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 right. I don't care. Yeah. But my point is just
1: that, that I've done enough things on the internet that, to know no, that, that it's is. boring. It's yeah. just boring. And so I wonder if there's a way to say, like, look, like, could we become dissatisfied with that and then is there a way to theoretically expose like what the true nature of enjoyment is that enjoyment if it doesn't take the detour through mediation or through loss or through alienation then it's never going to really be as enjoyable as this pretense of I mean maybe we divide between pleasure and enjoyment but whatever this pretense of enjoyment that comes from the sense of immediacy I don't know what do you think yeah no I
2: think that's right and I think there's some interesting like kind of tendrils of that like I think about the resurgence of the independent bookstore. It's an astonishing phenomenon, you know, and it's because people want to sit together with other people and read books. They want to hear poetry readings out loud. They want to go to book clubs. They want to have coffee and you know books on the shelves. They want to work with books on the shelves, not just at Starbucks. And you know, um, the bookstores have to be event spaces. and have cafes and even alcohol, to, so their business model has changed a little bit. But they're flourishing, and you know, and they you, they want the um, knowledge. Of a person who works in a bookstore because they love doing that and they want to recommend the latest memoir and they. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, and so, like that, there are there are you know, but that had to be the passage through the absolute desolation of like even the Barnes and Nobles closed. You know, so I, I, your question is, can theory um, precipitate these you know changes and transformations in how we or does think the about our? Minerva
1: always take flight yeah, with the falling Yeah, that, I Don't
2: know. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that I would sort of point to is what seems like a truly um, irrefutable crisis that's the horrible underside of the self-actualized Instagram self-care culture of, like, speaking your truth and all this is... um, the unbelievably rampant anxiety depression sexlessness right. mm-hmm. you know right. all that stuff and so when when is that stuff a, you know so epidemic that it's a condition for a change in our
1: right right mm-hmm. so so your point would be it doesn't does, like theory isn't even the question like there's this enough dissatisfaction manifest that eventually that will have to just explode right like that's I, I, mean, I yeah even, I mean, maybe,
2: maybe I, theories are quite, you know like i taught yeah. Cap- mark fisher's capital of realism in my class in my like sophomore to english major mm-hmm. class about like you know and you know our wh- what is this account of aesthetics right now and what's this account of the attitudes and the possibilities right now mm-hmm. and the you know my students seem to like Super, super, super find it transformative to have a set of names for the fact that everybody they know is morbidly anxious under house. Right, mm-hmm. right. And um and so, you know, there are classrooms where theory reaches people. Yeah,
1: I think that's true. I, I do think it's interesting that I find students much more receptive to Marx and the
0: Critique of Capital than mm-hmm. Freud and the, oh, yeah. idea of the Unconscious. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think you know what's interesting is that I will I I would say uh but posit to, to positive answer on this is like I I too find students really like to have capitalism like untangled for them because it's the air you know and it's it's, it's just like that's just what you go through and to have it, to have that which you never really thought about like how it functions and just have that like like given to you I think it's like that that I think that can really be powerful and transformative and, and that's but that's outside of you yeah and the unconscious is not. And, and so the, that's like, like that that, that is it's traumatizing in a, in a like like I feel personally attacked right now kind of way that's why I'm saying that's why, that's why I wonder if it might be the difference between like Marx on Capital and then Freud on the
2: unconscious right. I think that's, that's probably right. yeah. but also I think it's a difference in the textual experience of the two um, discursive formations like just like psychoanalysis doesn't work if the analyst just tells the patient what's wrong or the analyst on what's wrong um, I think it's not like reading Freud is the way that we discover we have an unconscious but reading Marx is a way that you discover a lot of people. How, how happen, yeah, yeah. Right? So, you know, what can we do in a classroom that precipitates that discovery? That's a
1: mm. question. Without being fired.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, none of us have to worry about that after this podcast. <laughs>
2: That's
0: great. So, you yeah, the that road road. Great. so
1: yep. usually we end with a lesson Oh. And so, the lesson oh, okay. and our lesson in the past is that usually we try to have a film like the lesson is really a two, like one word or something. And in the past, we've le- ended with watch Fight Club, so that's the lesson. So, no, we haven't,
0: we've never let no, him... no, 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 no. It's, it's been uh, it's been Heather's and then two Nolan films. Okay, so yes. the lesson of this podcast, oh, I
2: know, it's by my books. <laughs> I thought I was just gonna say actually
0: because I thought we had said watch Fight Club,
1: but. Watch Fight Club and then read Corn Blues, Marxist Film Theory, and Fight Club. Great. So, thank you so much for being with us. Thank
2: you. Yeah, thanks nice yeah. so
0: much, Yeah. Todd, you want to say something to me?
1: I do, Ryan, and I <laughs> forgot to say it. How did I forget? Just because you're right because here. Because I'm right here. Over and out, Ryan.
0: Over and out. <laughs>